Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, which means that uh, before the week is out, Lord willing, we will complete uh, 2 Corinthians. So, uh, gone by pretty fast. Again, I, I find 2 Corinthians one of the more difficult books of the New Testament. I think it ranks up there with Hebrews and Revelation. Um, but still, you really see a godly example of leadership, particularly leadership under fire. And I think chapters 8 and 9, which deal with the issue of giving uh, and charity, is is a good example of this. Uh, Paul easily could write another harsh letter, but instead he's wanting to guide them towards being a blessing to, to others. And so he starts there in verse 1, It is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about to the people of Macedonia. Um, we, we talked about this uh, Friday. The gift to the saints was a, coll- a, a love offering, uh, a collection taken up by various Gentile churches, some mentioned in the New Testament, some not mentioned in the New Testament, or at least have a specific letter written to them in the New Testament. Uh, they, they, they collect this love offering, which will then be distributed to the Christian believers in Jerusalem, who are predominantly Jews. And the goal of this was, one, financial uh, humanitarian aid to those who are suffering. Uh, another is, um, it was so, so in order to, to encourage unity between Jew and Gentile. Right, so so let's say you have a church divided like like the Ephesian church of Jews and Gentiles, the Roman church, Jews and Gentiles. Uh, what you have then are uh, the Jewish believers very sensitive to uh, the suffering of uh, their Jewish brothers and sisters in Jerusalem for the faith, uh, and here come their Gentile church members saying, "We want to do whatever it is that we can do uh, to support." them right so so you have a common cause between Jew and Gentile and that common cause is rooted in the gospel uh, we care about them not for racial or ethnic reasons but for theological reasons we are one in Christ and Ephesians made a big deal about unity particularly between Jew and Gentile male and female slave and free um, and so so Paul is taking up this offering he says look we've, we've talked about this before it's superfluous for me to mention it and then what you get in the first five verses is Paul saying look I've already told everyone how generous you are and I believe that you are generous and, and, and I've seen some excitement from the church to to do something like this um, and uh, he'll conclude so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so they may be ready as a willing gift not as an exaction and we talked about this some a little bit Friday that Paul is sending Titus and some others in advance and that allows for mutual accountability uh, that, that here are trustworthy people who will be entrusted with uh, their, the, these gifts and uh, there will be a series of uh, accountability to secure that they get where they are supposed to go. Uh, I, I do think a passage like this is a good place for us to pause. If I can speak as a Southern Baptist here, uh, not against other denominations, but th- this is my tradition and the one I'm more familiar with. It is passages like this uh, and, um, and, and what is actually happening here with the uh, uh, charity to the saints that Southern Baptists engage in the cooperative program. So the cooperative program is a big umbrella program uh, that all the SBC churches uh, pull the resources together to support uh, pastor training at seminaries, uh, uh, missionaries overseas, missionaries in North America, church planning in Kentucky and throughout um, North America, um, and, and, and it supports our state convention, our national convention, and everything else. 
Um, and and that program of the cooperative program has supported more uh, mission work and more gospel kingdom building work than perhaps any other kingdom in the history of Christianity. Uh, that has a fascinating history that will go beyond our purposes here uh, today. Uh, but I do think this is a, a good place to, to, to not plug it, but, but, but to uh, uh, remind uh, each of us that, that um, chances are, if you go to Southern Baptist Church, a portion of what you give uh, doesn't stay at that church, but actually goes to support missionaries around the world, which means your church, whether large or small or medium or whatever, is supporting right now thousands of international missionaries, hundreds and thousands of missionaries and church planners throughout North America, including the, the United States, not to mention countless students and other people engaged in theological and pastoral education uh, and missionary education, all that sort of stuff. So so right now, your church is uh, feeding the hungry, uh, is, is um, taking care of uh, those suffering from disaster relief. Uh, one of the best disaster relief organizations is the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, your cooperative program dollars goes to to support that. And all that is is a pooling of resources, taking collection uh, for the saints of those in need uh, in, in nations we, we, we may not even be able to pronounce uh, or with uh, disaster relief because of hurricane damage in the south. Um, there is something biblical about pulling resources together. We do the same thing at the association level. So our association supports orphans in Haiti. Uh, we also do other mission work as, as well. Um, and, and we pull these resources together so that we can do more together than we could alone. Well, he goes on in verse 6 to, to the end of the chapter. Uh, my Bible's headline is the cheerful giver. And there's, there's some truth to it. And, and that uh, what Paul does again is remind them the root of charity. So remember that we don't give out of a uh, legal obligation that God makes me give 10%, so I have to give 10%. I think 10% is a good guide. Um, but Paul's premise is... God is a cheerful giver in that he gave us his son. So when we understand the cross, then we can understand and practice true charity. Verse 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I have no doubt you can suspect that this is a verse or a passage that is easily abused by the uh, um, prosperity heretics. It's not an accident that the prosperity heresy uh, comes out of America, which is a very consumeristic society uh, that, that prides wealth above just about anything. Um, and, and so you read a verse like that, and, and because of the heresy, you read it in a narrow perspective. Those who reap a lot of money will sow a lot of more money, right? And, and that's, that's a limited way to view the blessing of God. Could it not be that generosity is itself its own gift? Uh, is, shouldn't that be enough? That making someone's life better or easier or, or, or just be a blessing to someone, that itself is a sufficient blessing. Right? We should be able to pause and say, am I content with just that? You should be. Because God in Christ has given you his very blood. The very least we can do is be generous to someone for the sake of generosity because it's the good and right thing to do. 
It is dangerous whenever we then look at God and say, okay, God, I'm going to give this, uh, sow the seed, as, as they'll say. What I expect you to do is to double my, my return. How about, how about you be willing to surrender without making demands of God? Like, like being a blessing is itself a greater blessing. The, 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 the saying that Jesus is, is quoted as saying, actually in the epistles, not in the gospels, um, that it is better to give than to, to receive. There's real truth to that. Um, and, um, well, he goes on in uh, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Notice that generosity is tied to holiness uh, and, and simple obedience to, to Christ. Uh, if you are generous with your wealth, you can be generous uh, in, in other areas and be faithful in other areas, the fruits of the Spirit and whatnot. Verse 10, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for good uh, for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest for your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Let me be back real quick. Okay, sorry. I'm the only one here on Labor Day, and people are uh, at the door. Okay, so um, there's two things that I want you to notice here, and that is, first, the purpose of generosity is to glorify God. Our motive should not be to uh, reap financial benefits for ourselves, to have a bigger house, fancier car, whatever. I ran over, now I'm more out. Um, the... The point that isn't the point of generosity. We don't give in order to get. We give in order that God might be glorified. That's the purpose. That's the primary purpose of generosity. It is an American way of thinking. Uh, whenever we assume we should get something back, because that's how we invest. We assume that if I give something, I get something back. I mean, think about it. How many? Um, how how often have you given to a charity? And the promise is that if you give X amount of dollars, you get this small gift, right? That's an American way of, of thinking. But in the biblical sense, you give in order that God might be glorified. But again, it's not just tied to generosity. Because um, he said that this, this, this is part of every good work. Everything we do is for the glory of God. We love our spouse, we love our neighbor, we serve and we meet needs and we worship and we give all so that God might be glorified in our lives, which means we have to surrender the notion that I'm the center of the universe, uh, but rather we must accept that God is the center of the universe and the world was created for his glory to echo around the, the, the entire universe. And when we do good things, whenever we follow him, and, and grow in holiness and generosity, God gets the glory. 
Now, the other thing he emphasizes here shouldn't be a surprise. It's been a major theme in the Corinthian letters, is the gospel. We share this common gospel, uh, and, and out of that gospel of Christ, you are generous to them. That is um, taking the simple gospel message. Jesus has shed his blood. He didn't tithe his blood. And we apply it to our lives. How can I be like Christ with my generosity, with my charity? Well, if, if giving is a legal obligation, then you're missing the beauty of the cross. It is a confession of God in Christ has given me much. Here is but a little of it in return. And it isn't defined by a percentage but has to do with the heart. And that is why he concludes, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now notice, is he talking about the generosity of the saints? Or is he talking about the cross of Jesus? The answer, of course, is yes. He's really talking about both, isn't he? Because you can't separate charity from the cross. Lord willing, we'll see you guys here tomorrow.